0: Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. Shomongkatoshu Entangling Vines Case 20 Manans up a tree Manandogan erst tozan iku What is the meaning of Kyogen's up a tree? Tozan replied Kyogen was a partridge singing with the spring breeze. Day three of our golden-wind session, the second day of fall. Most definitely, something changed from summer to fall. And we all already have changed through these few days being together here. Listening to the rain at times, the absence of rain. Those of us who have a keen smell, sense, smell the fragrance of the leaves. Brought into the rooms through the little cracks that are still open of the windows. Foreshadowing closed doors and windows of a long, long winter time with lots of snow and ice and teasers way before time. So what better way to start today than with a poem? And there's a very famous German poet by the name of Rainer Maria Rilke. And I know some of you will know this poem. It is, in its original title, it is called Herbsttag, Autumn Day. First, I will read it to you in the original, and then a translation that is leaning upon a translation of somebody else, because you know how it is with translations. They are never good enough. And as Zen people, we know it's the same with words. They also just lean on something, but they are not it. Herbsttag. Herr, es ist Zeit. Der Sommer war sehr groß. Leg deinen Schatten auf die Sonnenuhren und auf den Fluren, lass die Winde los. Befiehl den letzten Früchten voll zu sein. Gib ihnen noch zwei südlichere Tage, dränge sie zur Vollendung hin und jage die letzte Süße in den schweren Wein. Wer jetzt kein Haus hat, baut sich keines mehr. Wer jetzt allein ist, wird es lange bleiben, wird wachen, lesen, lange Briefe schreiben und wird in den Alleen hin und her unruhig wandern, wenn die Blätter treiben. Autumn Day Lord, it is time. The summer was so great. Cast down your shadow onto the sundials. Upon the fields let loose the winds. Command the last fruits to become full. Grant them yet two more southern days. Urge them to perfection and chase the last sweetness into the heavy wine, who now has no house, builds no more, Who's now alone will long remain alone, will stay awake, read, compose long letters, and restlessly will wander here and there in avenues with leaves adrift. We borrow words from other people all the time. And sometimes we might ask ourselves, being involved in these Buddhist circles or in Dharma teaching, why do Buddhist teachers talk so much? Why is there so much written down about the Dharma? And most of it says, well, you can't write about it. (laughs) It's important to really understand why that is so. And we have heard about Kyogen. Yesterday, Roshi spoke about Kyogen. The first day, the, the entire kohan was about Kyogen and how he awoke. It is not limited to little pieces of tile that might trigger something in somebody at times. You don't have to get your leg broken in a door. You don't have to have your nose twisted. Sometimes there might be something in a book. And it's the same. A leg will break. So be careful with the reading, too. It might break something in your mind. Or maybe your mind is broken by the words just being there. Why do Zen teachers talk so much? I can tell you, it's not fun sitting out here. You can sign up for it if you'd like. You go through a book like Roshi goes through the Iron Flute. I go through the Entangling Vines, and of course, case 20 is almost the same as case 19. You might think it's difficult to talk about one case for about an hour and come up with uh, words and meaningful kind of presentation of something that is beyond words. And then, bam, case 20. Do it again. It's the same thing. However... There's a lesson to be learned in everything. In this here, it is that, no, it is not the same. What is the same? What repeats? Everything unfolds right here and now, not in a repetitive way. As soon as we see a repetition, we are on a layer of thinking and of abstraction that has broken our clear view into the activity of dharma. And there are wonderful books out there. There We spoke about the, the, the Tripitaka, how large it is. Even new sutras are written. Even here in America. And money is made with it. Very famous, the Rhinestone Sutra. You don't get it, huh? (laughs) What are rhinestones? Fake diamonds. diamonds. (laughs) So a lot has been written. have to be open to it. But the danger that we have at this level of abstraction and the familiarity with the words are the words and the very distance that exists between the word and what is pointed to. I'm sure you will experience that many times in Doksan that the words will not do but sometimes you have to say something. These presentations or these tesho or whatever you would want to call it, it would not be alive if there were not an alive person behind, trying to share their humanity with yours. And even for a short time, just breaking down that barrier (laughs) that we have erected. (laughs) that we need while we reside in society, that we need in order to develop without being knocked down by everything in the world. But as it is with things that are not moved very often, you know, the muscles to move them become weak. Rust sets in. And sometimes it feels like grinding open something that should open just very naturally. And for that very reason, we are here at session. Day three is a day full of dangers. When things and schedules and signals and actions become familiar. The danger of neglect and not paying attention raises its head. Although we really know what to do, at times we are distracted. What's that? Or we are too secure in a sense of an abstraction of what is going to happen. Because we really don't know what's going to happen. Do we? No, we don't know what's going to happen. So even if it is day three, let us stay with it. All of us, whatever our function is, we have all a piece in this, not only playing instruments and being the facilitators of the container that we call the session, but we as participants, we have to be as active in everything that we do. And I want to point to that a little bit in what is lying ahead in What I plucked out from case number 19 that I want to carry over here into case 20 regarding Kyogen Osho. So to follow the traditional way, let me introduce to you the people, the personae that we have in this case. Manan Dogan. He lived from 1094 until 1164 and appears in two cases in entangling vines. He lived in Fei Wu, which is in the nowadays, Sichuan province. His family name was Shan. His family was known for the Confucian scholarship. Confucian scholarship was something that, by that time, was almost 1,000 years old. It might be surprising to you, but Confucius and Buddha appeared about the same time some 400-odd years before the beginning of common time. And it speaks to the appeal of the Buddhist teachings that they get introduced into a culture that has a similarly important sage in maturity of many, many centuries of culture and of teaching that Buddhism coming from a continent divided by a range of mountains where we find no higher mountains on this planet coming to China. So even though they were deeply steeped in that Confucian education, he became a monk very young. And maybe we can deduct that Confucianism, it has a lot of practicality into it, in it that speaks about how to relate and how to properly live. So it seems quite logical that many of these Chinese masters, when they bec- became monks, first they would look for the Vinaya traditions, the traditions that had to offer A lot of scriptures on rules, on ways how to properly live. We are not much different. We are not much different. We are looking for something that unlocks for us that that path. Give me, give me, give me. Give me something that points me in the right direction. And Confucianism hasn't done it in several hundred years. So let's see what the Buddhist Vinaya can do for us. So he studied the precepts. And inquisitive human beings, like all of us here, are not satisfied by the mere picture of food as we heard. So even having studied the Vinaya, Mannan Dogan went on pilgrimage to various masters and finally committed to an assembly that was led by Daiye Soko, who is very important in the establishment of the Koan tradition. Manandogan became a successor to Dai Soko. He served in various temples and finally settled in a temple that was called the Eastern uh, Forest Temple. Torinji. So that's why sometimes he's referred to as Toringan. That's the first person who's asking the question. And he's asking, Tozan Ikku. Tozan eku is two years younger than Manandogan, so 1096 until 1158. He only appears in this case in the entangling vines. He was from the Fujian province. His family name was Chen. He was ordained at age of 14. And, stund- and studied under a master called Rokutan Zensei in the audio school. The Rinzai school in China had two branches. One is the audio school, and the other lineage is the yogi lineage, which then continued to Japan. So every night at the Te Dai Tempo, we chant Yogi Hoi. That is where that fork happened. So these are the two people appearing in this case. And of course, what is the meaning of Kyogen's upper tree? So let's go back to Kyogen. He lived much earlier, about 100, uh, yeah, 100 years, 200 years earlier, 898, he died. So his The knowledge about him already has lived for 200 years, which I think is quite uh, an indication for something to continue into the future. Remember, Roshi also talked about it yesterday, it was the abandoned grave of the national teacher, Echu, that he tended. You will find several monks tending graves of teachers, sometimes their teacher, Sometimes other great predecessors. His awakening, that is described in case 28 of the Shumon Kato Shu, happened thereby flicking the little piece of tile against the bamboo. I read you the poem that he composed, and I would like to. Go over that poem today, because I think that it has many, many wonderful pointers to the place where we are in this session and where we find ourselves in this practice. A single, all knowledge forgotten. Roshi pointed to the openness, the openness that is ready to receive whatever unfolds in this Dharma, revealing itself. You might feel already after having done Zazen, after having relinquished A large percentage of what you want to do to the group, to the schedule. I'm sure there's some residue of certain things that we still keep somewhere hidden and not relinquish to the overall flow. If you have any such things, Don't allow it to happen. And if it happens, acknowledge it and say to yourself, I will be awake to this when it comes the next time. I will be ready. Sleep deprivation is part of that knowledge that needs to be forgotten i am tired if you forget that i you know there might not even be any tired you do enough session you will forget about being tired i need five no i need 11 hours of sleep they only give me five no listen me you little me that needs that sleep here you can sleep all day you don't have to be here go to sleep completely don't even wake up give your i am self a rest and let the muga the no self Take its place. All knowledge forgotten when we sit down and the bell rings and the, the sitting starts, all knowledge forgotten, leaving everything behind, no time, no expectation, no road map, nothing to attain. The second line, no need for further study and practice. These are words. No more need for further study. No more seeking. No more looking here, no more looking there. No more studying. No more mind, gimme, gimme, gimme. Give me the answer. No more practice. No more rehearsal. That's what practice means here. Never mix up those two things. Zen practice is not rehearsing your life. It's actually happening right now. No rehearsal, no such thing. Daily activities proclaim the ancient way. Daily activities proclaim the ancient way. Awakening in the morning, a daily activity, washing your face, making full relationship with the temperature of the water, the washcloth, how does your body feel? Has that I am self awoken? I don't want to get up yet. Or can you just let all the senses receive what the morning offers? Like summer turns to autumn, it is time. Call it Lord, call it the activity of Dharma. That what moves without discrimination, will, and desire, it is time. Like the summer was great, the sleep was great. It is time to move on. Daily activities of eating. Eating here is one of the most revealing practices for ourselves. Where else do we meet a necessity that is necessary for us to survive? How can we engage in this necessary self-affirmation without getting tied to the greed? of that, that wants more, of that, that wants to judge the taste, the speed, this, that, whatever, that, that wants to exert itself and inflict limits onto everything. So eating and the meals are wonderful, wonderful opportunities to see ourselves in the mirror that becomes available through the preparation in the silent practice of Zazen. We have no choice unless you want to starve yourselves. No choice. Yet we have choices how we eat how we manifest ourselves. And please don't think this is uh, related to any self-flagellation, feeling guilty about eating, realizing that we have to eat, that we have to destroy some kind of life to be here and to continue on the face of this earth is something, some, some really, really essential thing. There is nothing to be, there is no euphemism for it. Even that piece of letters was a life. We have to kill. And we kill all the time. microorganisms floating around maybe that wonderful smell that comes from the leaves carries in it some spores of some inconceivably small mold that triggers this wonderful fragrance sensation at the same time the cilia in our nose and in our breathing apparatus nothing beautiful about it, but part of our existence. Daily activities proclaim the ancient way, chanting full abandonment into expression, bringing to life Kanzeon with her thousand arms and eyes presiding over us in our chanting here. Take a look at her when you have a moment. And that is what Enmei Juku kanon is about. We make sure Kanon perceives all the voices. And we chant for those who have none. Kyogen continues, no more falling into passive stillness. Stone Buddhas perfectly sitting belong in a garden, but not in the human world. Passive stillness. Samadhi and Zazen becomes at times so delicious that again, like Our ego tries to hold on to affirming things. That can become a disease of its own. Samadhi junkies. A much more subtle, insubstantial addiction than the other addictions that we all have. What is our greatest addiction? Hmm? The strongest of all. What do you need to think? <coughs> and I am self. I am. That's the biggest addiction. And like many addictions, it's also intoxicating. The intoxication of the ego is very, very strong. I remember once uh, at the sitting uh, at Charles Rivers End, a person came in. And uh, he said, hi, I'm Steve. I'm an alcoholic. And so I said, hi Steve, very nice to meet you. I'm an egotist. And he started laughing and said, oh yeah, huh. I'm an alcoholic but not an egotist. <laughs> and so I said, oh, so you're an alcoholic and a liar. <laughs> <laughs> and he started laughing, which is a wonderful, wonderful opening to that Acknowledgement. Ah, gotcha. And we have to find these gotcha moments with ourselves over and over again. There are corns about it. Many, many. The Dharma eye is even clouded with a little bit of golden dust. It doesn't have to be shit. It can be golden dust. Kyogen continues wherever I go I leave no trace. One of the most important practices is leaving no traces. Coming to a place that unfolds in front of us and leaving from it without leaving traces. What did it say? Kilroy was here? Isn't that the usual thing? That people used to write somewhere, Kilroy was here. Just go to a public bathroom, and you will find all traces like that. But those are the obvious ones. But there are so many little, little things that our self insists on that leave traces all around. The most long-lasting ones are the traces that we as people leave in other people's lives. It's very difficult to work on the traces we have left In other people's lives, but we can work on it. Try to not only atone, make amends, but also to not create new traces in other people's lives. It's just like karma. The best way to deal with karma is not to create, not to produce. How do you not produce karma? The Dharma unfolds right here. As soon as you are away from it, karma comes into existence. Do not leave traces in this place. Be aware when you cream your feet that they are thirsty wood floors that will soak up your cream. One of us will find their footprints in the foyer, still there. And they will stay for a long time until the oil dissipates in the wood. Leaving traces sometimes is done by not doing something, omitting to be responsible. We all know what that is like. We do it as a society. We have done it as a society for a long, long time, but with increased intensity since the Industrial Revolution. Our corn has a bird in it, a partridge. The partridge is a bird that is native to the United States as well. What does a partridge eat? Grain, berries, crab apples, crab apples. Pears. pears. Yeah, only at Christmas, huh? <laughs> but grains, a lot of grains, partridges, they roamed the fields. And if it weren't a wild duck, it could have been a partridge flying out of the field through which the Zen masters walked. But nowadays, the numbers of partridges has gone down by the fact that the mechanical harvesting equipment does not leave any split grain behind, because all the grain has to be sold And there's so little that there are no grains left for the partridges to eat. That is also leaving traces. Wherever I go, I leave no trace. In the world, I forget proper conduct. The characters for the world is colors and form, in color and form, I forget proper conduct. What is proper conduct? Well, Confucius wrote about it a lot. The Vinaya speak about proper conduct a lot. Even the Eightfold Path falls into this direction. What about Zen monks? Is there proper conduct for Zen monks? Sure, of course. Roshi mentioned the four postures yesterday. What are they? Sitting, Thank you. Walking, Walking lying and lying down. Those are the four postures. And in the Zen context, they're called Shi Igi. Shi, four Igi postures. Walking, standing, sitting, and lying down. But of course, it's a shorthand to refer to any kind of conceivable mode of human activity. It also means always, whatever one is doing, 24 hours a day. Shih also means proper deportment. Buddhist monks and nuns should adhere to in all of their activities. So the formality that we follow as ordained people and as serious Zen students is part and very important in our learning, in our waking up. Traces are countless. So, You know this one. Gasho. One of the ways of our comportment. If our hands are not like this in the formal context, how are they, huh? Shashu. So even when you walk around and there's no sitting, there is a break. (laughs) A break. When you interact, when you are within this space, in your room you can do whatever you want. In this space, please, with your hands in Shashu. So when I first went to Mount Baldy Zen Center, um, I was very serious. And I was trained in, in Austria by Genro Seon. And Genro Seon was very, very strict with these things. Very strict if the incense on the butsudan on the altar was not perfectly straight you would be informed after the service seven degrees of a 360 degree angle seven degrees only zero will do So I went there, and and everything was a little different. But doing this formal practice for a long time, what happens to you is it becomes how you comport yourself. I returned home, and I was walking through a shopping mall. Why are these people staring at me? why are these people staring at me? Why are you looking at me? (laughs) Oh, my God. It becomes your nature, but one learns also that it is appropriate for certain places and not other places. Well, in Japan, you can do this all day. In other countries, you will be looked at Maybe not anymore, because people are afraid you have a gun. (laughs) And that's, it's really not funny. So the comportment, how we manifest ourselves, is there another word for that? Embodiment. Embodiment is one of the actualizations of the Buddha Dharma embody embody stillness embody your dedication to this endeavor that you have taken on by coming to this session it's the only way to remind ourselves again and again until We awaken to that nature of being that way. Posture says a lot. Oh, I don't care. When is this over? I can't wait to get out of here. Just allow the posture to happen. That is the true comportment. In walking, how we walk is tremendously important. Even though Bokushu was almost a 100 years old when he went back to live in his town in the house that we heard about yesterday, where he was sitting inside with the door closed. He was listening for the steps of the people who appeared, listening to the steps. When was the last time you listened to your steps? at my very first session i arrived and i packed everything that it said to bring and it said bring two, two pairs of shoes one for inside and one for outside kinhin so i i didn't have many pairs of shoes that you could slip on because they said bring slip on shoes so one of them was a pair of uh, wooden clogs The rooms to sleep were upstairs, and I made the fatal decision to use the clogs for inside. I went to bed. The alarm went off (laughs) in a little different way. So I went to bed, I closed my eyes, and as soon as the, eye, the eyelid hits the other eyelid, ding, ding, the wake up. Put those robes on. Go downstairs. There was a staircase of about 18 wooden steps. It was a very, very old building. The Buddhist center was bought for a very small amount of money. It used to be a nursing home for blind people. The decor was rather lacking. There was no running water on the second floor. It was a really old building. So only 10 minutes to get downstairs robes on clocks off to the stairs on the bottom stands one of the officers and i go down the stairs dock doc, dock dock doc. quietly first of all why would anyone yell at you to be quiet But this is Zen, okay? So (laughs) (laughs) quickly, what now? What, what, What should I do? That was my first introduction to this is how Zen practice works. You can't get it right. But from that point on, it became very important to me to listen to how I walk. Because it is an expression, an embodiment of everything that we are and that we bring to this very moment, to this life. It's not a ceremonial listening to what it is, but it's an awareness that we build. It's an awareness that we tread lightly. First we take inventory, Mm. yeah I'm walking on my heels, I can feel it, I can hear it. Let me see what happens if I shift my walk a little bit to the softer parts of my foot and so on. Let me see if I can walk without making any kind That's when the floor screeches. (sniffs) And all of that is perfectly in order. But when we walk, let's walk with the same awareness we have to our breath with making that relationship with the floor. Making the relationship with our hand when we turn the knob of the door that we are about to open. And realizing that once we are through the door, it still ought to be closed. We tend to just face forward, forward, behind me, who cares? But to be a 360 degree aware person, everything has to be included, including the door that we close after we pass through it. In the world, I forget proper conduct. Everywhere, masters of the way speak of this as the highest function. The highest function is to be in accord with the way. And what that is, nobody can tell you. You've got eyes, nose, ear, tongue, body, mind. Use them properly. Open all of those gates for the teaching, the sermons of the insentient things. So that was Kyogen's poem, Upon Awakening. But we have a case to attend to. Manan Dogan. Did you have a chance to look at the board? Did you have a chance to look at the Chinese characters? Mm? Anyone? No? Yeah. Yeah? Did you notice anything? About the Chinese characters? Yeah. Yeah. The first character was a swastika. What is that doing there? I knew he was a Nazi. (laughs) After all, he speaks German. Of course, the swastika is a very, very old Buddhist symbol. And it means it became a Chinese character that we in Japanese pronounce man. So some, some people say, yeah, but it goes the other way than the Nazi swastika. No, it goes both ways. You find it both ways. Sometimes when you look at some Buddhist garb, you will see in the weave, the lines, ah, there it is, the swastika. It's a cross with some extra arms appended to it. Have you ever seen the Buddha's feet, the soles of his feet? What is on there? Swastikas. Quite a contrast to Charles Manson, huh? Same symbol. Yet, exactly, that is one of the deepest meanings. Both expressed. And both in our human nature. So there is nothing wrong with seeing the horror of that that was committed under that sign on a flag and at the same time acknowledging that we also have a way to awaken to a different way of being, that things like that will not happen. All of this is playing out in our human world. While the world of the Dharma unfolds, we cannot give up the responsibility that we have in this human world. To make it so that it is more just, that atrocities don't happen, and all of that goes back again to just the unconditional affirmation of some idea of identity, identity, white supremacy, Functionally, identity that we carry with us is no different. Hopefully, it's a little more benign, but in a function, it is no different. That's also part of our looking into this human condition. So the swastika, auspicious myriad in Chinese, even before images of the Buddha appeared, the swastika was used to represent the Buddha. And a really nice little tidbit of knowledge that we can't forget When the Buddha sat, no, that's wrong. When Siddhartha sat down under the tree, there was a man who was cutting the grass around the tree so that he could sit down. What was the man's name? Swastika. That was his name. So there's a big warning in here. Be alert. Be alert. Exert yourself. Exert yourself. We all carry all of this in us. So back to the case. What is the meaning of Kyogen's upper tree? Kozan replied. And this translation that I read, Roshi kindly gave to me. It's the translation that Edo Roshi pointed out. The one that I used is from the book that was translated by Yuho uh, Krishna. And it says it in a different way that takes a lot out of it actually what yuho says is here let me sing the song by the title of partridge to the spring breeze but chinese can be interpreted in many many different ways and how you look at it depends also on who you are what the circumstances are and edo roshi's dharma i read it completely different Kyogen was a partridge, singing with the spring breeze. So instead of Tozan's expression of himself singing a song, Tozan points to the mind of Kyogen. Kyogen was a partridge. Singing with the Spring Breeze. Oh, doesn't that sound nice? Birdsong, Spring Breeze. But that only scratches the surface. Why do partridges sing in the spring? Courtship. Why do Partridge's courtship for partners? Because the existence of their species relies on it. The only activity. Of the partridge is to survive and to fully live every moment for finding that what unfolds yet. The beautiful bird song is a bird song that is born out of an intensity of life and death. Only our human mind. Oh, what a little nice birdie. That bird is singing out its Buddha nature. 100% for life yet to go forward. What is the meaning of Kyogans? Up a tree. This has been a Zen Studies Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.orgslash donate. Thank you for listening.